Pastor Jim Graff's A Significant Life Ministry invites you to be a part of what God is doing around the globe. To be a part of what A Significant Life is doing worldwide, visit asignificantlife.com. Happy Independence Day, everybody. I sure hope you and yours are enjoying a refreshing, enjoyable time as you celebrate the incredible nation and the freedom that we have. We have so much to celebrate. First, our founding fathers have given us a wonderful foundation to construct our nation on. Then our forefathers have fought to hand us a legacy that's filled with incredible blessing. And they had to overcome obstacles, trials, huge ones to give us this nation that the citizens of other nations envy. And of course, they made their mistakes too. But I'm grateful that even then we've grown past so many of them and that I have the opportunity to be an American. And in the same way, God has a legacy He wants to birth in every life, every family, and in every church family. And today we're going to study a story in the Bible that helps us learn what causes the Holy Spirit to create those wonderful kind of legacies. It's possible in every family, and you can start right where you are. Let's learn how today from God's Word. Have you ever started something in life only to get sidetracked? My mom felt like I had that spiritual gift whenever I was a kid because I was always late to the bus, late to school, late to practice. And while I was going and running late, she'd have to put the, my lunch up under my arm sometime because I was always distracted. And uh, you know, for a lot of us, that is something that we fight. It's the reason that whenever you listen to life planners, one of the questions they'll ask when they're helping us hit the goals that matter most in our life is they'll say, how do you want people to think about you whenever you die? And that's a good question. Do we want to be known as somebody who knew how to live close with God? Do we want to be known as somebody who our family could count on when they went through the difficult times of life? Do we want to be known as somebody who was rich in good works towards our church family and towards the people in the community that we live in? Well, if so, it's important that we know that those kind of things are not just going to happen by accident, right? But they're going to happen because awarenesses come into our heart and changes are made and courses of action are taken that cause things to be so much different in our lives. And usually the starting point isn't just resolve for people, but a lot of times our starting point is regret. That's why Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10. He said, for the kind of sorrow that God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and it results in salvation. In other words, God wants us to learn how to take the regrets that we have in our heart and to let them make us think a little deeper about things so that awarenesses come into our heart that when we start acting on those things, we know that God is with us in spite of the difficulties that have happened to us and God's creating blessing that we can never experience without his 
his goodness in our life. Now this morning we're going to study the story of two men that shows us how God begins to create legacies of blessing in people's lives. And it starts in Luke 12, uh, chapter 24, verse 13, when it says, Now that same day two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Now here's what's interesting, and that is these men were supposed to stay in Jerusalem and they were supposed to wait for God to work. But instead of doing that, they got sidetracked and they started traveling seven and a half miles northwest of Jerusalem. And the Bible says it was that same day. What day is it talking about? Well, early in the chapter, it tells us that it was the day that Jesus was resurrected from the dead just as he promised. And the resurrection is God's ultimate proof that he can overcome the enemy and he can fulfill everything that he promised us he would fulfill in our life. Can you say amen? But these men were downcast. The Bible says they were talking with each other about everything that happened. And interesting enough, as they were talking, Jesus came alongside them, but they couldn't recognize them. And he asked them, what are you discussing today as you walk along? And the Bible says they stood still and their faces were downcast. So we've all had seasons whenever our soul is downcast and we know that we're just standing still. And many times we know that something has to happen if God's going to take us through this situation into blessing in our life. And I want to encourage you today that a lot of times it happens because we're discussing it with people who don't know the answers. And what we have to learn to do is to discuss things with God who not only promised us that he could be the answer, but he promised us he would be all that we need to get us from, from where we are into the answer that we're looking for in life. So this morning, we're going to learn five things that these men had to understand for God to work in their life. And the first thing is they had to become obedient disciples, not merely debaters of truth. The Bible talks about how they were talking with, with each other about everything that happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Now, this is the last chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And let me tell you what Luke is setting up. He's setting up the fact that they came to the end of the Gospels and they were so discouraged and they were so fearful. And then we come to the book of Acts and Luke wrote the book of Acts too. In fact, many people believe you should always read those two books together because what Luke teaches is, you know what changed everything in their life? They learned how to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Luke says they're talking with each other. Now let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you have ever talked to each other and talked to each other and talked to each other and the more you talk to each other, the more discouraged you got? Would you show your hand to me this morning? Now, do you know why that is? It's because we don't have the answers to get through the thing that we're going through without God. And that's why Jesus came up to them and he asked them the question. He said, listen, what are you guys talking about to one another? How many of you have a GPS 
can I see your hand? If you have a phone, you probably have a GPS. What's so wonderful about a GPS, it's that wherever we're at, that GPS knows where I am and it knows the route to the next place that I'm supposed to go. Now some of us remember whenever we would go on vacations with our husband and there would be all these complicated turns and he would hand us the map and uh, I don't, don't, don't look at anybody right now. That wouldn't be a good thing to do. But how many of you know that's what life can feel like sometimes? On my GPS, I have a British woman who talks to me. And the other day, Tamara said to me, she said, Jim, why do you have a British woman talking to you on your phone? And I said, honey, it's because I'm the youngest child. I had three older sisters. I had a mother. I, had, I have a wife. And I've had American women straightening me out my entire life. It just feels better whenever it's a British woman. But can I tell you this morning, I don't know who's tried to straighten you out in life, but when Jesus comes into our life, listen, when the Holy Spirit comes, we have a guide who knows how to get us through what we're going through into the blessings of God. And that's why in Deuteronomy 12, verse 28, it says this, that God wants us to learn to be careful to obey all of his commands so that all will go well with us and with our children after us. Now, what an amazing promise this is that God says, if you'll learn to be careful to do everything that I ask you to do in life, I promise you that all that I promised you in life is going to come to pass in your life if you'll be careful to do everything that I promised you. And I was studying this article the other day. It's about sheep. And of course, God calls us sheep. And did you know that God created sheep in a way where their pupils are elongated horizontally? So that's why when a sheep is looking at you, he really can't see you very well. But when a sheep puts his head down and he's grazing, that's whenever a sheep has the best vision that he could possibly function with. And when I think about that, I think about my life. And can I tell you something? I see life best whenever my nose is in the Bible and I'm studying the Bible and I'm letting God speak to every part of my life. I see God best whenever I come to church and my pastor opens up the Bible and he begins to teach the Bible to me. That's whenever I see life the best. And if I want to get into danger, you know how I get into danger? I get in danger by thinking that I see life so much better than how I see life. The truth is spiritual legacies require solving spiritual problems that are keeping God from guiding us in life. Usually they involve, you know, saying no to pride and saying yes to humility. Usually they require saying no to bitterness and to hurt that has happened to us in life and saying yes to the kind of belief that allows God to do what God knows how to do. Then there's a second step that we learn and that is that these men learned that they had to learn to find delight in God instead of living discouraged in life. It's interesting that the Bible says that as they walked along, Jesus asked them, what are you, ta- what are you doing? And they stood still with their faces downcast. In other words, they were down because of the circumstances and the way things were playing out all around them. But you know what really challenged me when I let my spirit get immersed in the text to preach it to you this morning? These men were aware of so much 
much that God was doing, but still they were downcast. You can read Luke 24, verse 19 to 24, and it tells us that they understood that Jesus was powerful in word and deed and that God was with him. It tells us that they understood that the Jewish high priests and the rulers had handed Jesus over to the Romans to be sentenced unto death. They also knew that earlier that morning that that the women who went to the tomb didn't find Jesus. They even knew that an angel had told them that Jesus was alive. But still their hearts were downcast even though they knew all those things. You know what really blows me away? Do you know not once, not twice, but three times as they journeyed to Jerusalem the final time, Jesus told them, I'm going to be handed over by the chief priests and the teacher of the law. They're going to hand me to the Romans who are going to crucify me. But I want you to know that's not the destruction of God's plan. I'm going to rise from the dead on the third day. So these men knew all of these things, but still their hearts were downcast. Why is that? Well, can I tell you what I've learned is my heart is a little bit like my grill. I like thinking about my grill this time of year, don't you? But you know, I have propane. I have everything I need in that grill to make what my heart desires. But you know, if I don't hit the ignition switch, my grill isn't going to work. And in the same way, even though God is with people, if we don't hit the delight switch in our hearts that God's with us, many times we miss out on God's work in our life. It's why the Bible says this in in Psalm 37, 4, it says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. See, nobody can take delight for you. That's a personal decision that you make. You either take delight in the fact that God's given you his word or else you take God's word for granted. I either take delight in the fact that when I pray, the Holy Spirit's with me or else I take that reality for granted. I either take delight in the fact that God's given me so many friends to get through the storms of my life with or else I take that for granted. And can I tell you, people who experience legacies of blessing in their life don't take those things for granted. They make those things the highest joy of their life. Then here's number three. Jesus encouraged them that they had to walk by faith and they had to resist foolishness in their heart. At this point in the text, we learn who one of these men was. It says one of them was named Cleopas. And, and, Jesus, and, and he asked Jesus, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened here in these days? And Jesus asked, what things? Now, I think that's hilarious because how many of you know if you were crucified, you would probably remember the fact that you were crucified, right? But Jesus is teaching them such an important lesson and that is you have to learn to ignore some things you have to you have to learn to let some things go in your life if you're going to be blessed if your heart is in a state of bitterness this morning I sympathize with you because I've been through much in my life and as a pastor it breaks my heart to see how big people's battles are sometimes in their life but can I tell you something you're going to have to let go of the bitterness and you're going to have to believe if you're going to receive God's best in your life. And then there's some of you today that you're condemning yourself. And I just want to say to you, Christ died for you. Let it go, man, because if you don't let it go, you're never going to live in the good things that he's dreaming about doing in your life in the days ahead. And so Jesus said, what things? And let me tell you who Cleopas was, according to a guy named Hegesippus. Everybody say Hegesippus. 
You say, is that how you pronounce it? I have no idea. But can I tell you, one thing I've learned about being a pastor is that being a pastor in the 21st century and reading these old names is kind of the same because all you young people, you name your, your kids' names that make me work to know what their name is, right? And I think that's a good thing because how many of you know our kids aren't just one in a million? They are one that is the most special in the whole wide world when they, when they come to our church, amen? We want to know every one of their names. But anyway, this guy named Hig, whatever he was, he was the guy who handed down the, the history of the early church. And he, he wrote that he actually interviewed the Apostle Jude. And the Apostle Jude told him that Cleopas was the brother of Joseph, who God chose to be the father of Jesus. So this wasn't a man without spiritual heritage. This was a man who was aware of much, but he was acting on little. And it's so easy for us to come to the point where we're aware of much, but we're acting on little. And listen to what Jesus said to him. He said, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? In other words, Jesus said, you can't just read the Bible and, and pay attention to the parts of it that you like, but you have to realize there's a big plan that's at work right now, and the devil's working his plan, and the devil's trying to do things, and you go through things in your life, but listen, you don't want to lose your legacy. Just know that whatever you go through, Jesus is with you, and Jesus loves you, and if you let him have his way, he's going to work for good in the midst of all things. Can you say amen? And then there's a fourth thing, and that is Jesus said we have to come to the point where clarity through fellowship with God eliminates every bit of confusion in, in our hearts. And I think this is my favorite part of the verse when it says that after this, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Did you notice that Jesus didn't come to people who were struggling, sidetracked, going the wrong direction? And he didn't give them one little scripture to stand on. He didn't give them one little promise to stand on. But what Jesus did was he took them through a Bible study that deepened their roots in God until they really knew who God was. And I want to encourage you today that if you don't have confidence in God working in your life, the answer isn't a shallow positivity. But God said we're like trees. The answer is to come to church every week. The answer is to be a person of Bible study. And just like these trees that can survive all the storms and still bear fruit, when your roots go deep into God, you're going to be amazed what God can do in your life. What does Proverbs 3 say? It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding, but in all all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your, your, your path straight. I started years ago reading the Bible through once a year. I'm doing it my 45th time right now. And can I tell you what, what happened when I started doing it? I started realizing the benefit of reading everything that God said and processing everything going on in my life that year within the wisdom of what God said. And those of you who have young kids, I used to do it 20 minutes in 
the morning and I'd have to do it quick whenever they were young. But now I find myself taking 45 minutes in the morning because I know the value of letting all of God's word speak to all of my heart so that I follow him better than I've ever followed him. And I want you to notice what happened as Jesus broke, broke the word of God with them. It says as they approached the village, to where they were going, Jesus continued as if he, were, he was going further. Again, this chapter is highly symbolic that Jesus is going where he's going. And he's going to be there if you follow him. But if you stop, it wasn't God who quit on your circumstance. How many of you know we quit on our circumstance sometime? And then it says they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day's almost over. So Jesus went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he began to give it to them. Here the Lord's showing us so clearly what our answer is, and that is sometimes it's not a false positivity that quotes a few scriptures, or it's, it's not, you know, just some kind of a light spiritual life. But the Bible says that our bodies get sick, we die early, our relationships get destroyed, and it says it's because we're not rightly discerning the body of Christ. When we take communion, we're to remind ourselves that it's not just about having scripture up in our head, it's how much God's working in my life right now. Can you say amen? And I think about one of my heroes who went to heaven this month, and when he was a young boy, he he was just six months old when his dad, who was 29 years old, died. And his mother could have just gotten discouraged and given up and said, why did this happen to me? But instead, she got a job at the plant and she worked simply so she and her young son could survive. And she taught him, Charles, listen, God will work for good in the midst of all things. Charles, you got to read your Bible. God will take you places you never dreamed you could go if you'll read your Bible. Charles, you got to learn how to pray. The Holy Spirit lives in your heart, Charles. And I want you to learn to let him be glorified in your life. And when he went through hard times, she said, Charles, that's okay. There's a lot of people going through hard times. But that's why Jesus came. And who would have thought that that mother would have raised a little boy that preached the gospel to all the world and helped millions of people just because she didn't give up. She gave it all over to God in her life. Amen? And wherever we are, that's how legacy happens. And I love this. It says, wasn't our heart burning within us whenever he spoke to us? Can I tell you who's going to have a great legacy? The person who spends enough time with God that there's a burning in their heart because of what they know God wants to do for them and what God wants to do for their family. And I know this morning that some of you, your heart isn't burning. It's barely beating on the inside of you because of things that have happened. And I want to encourage you, you can't let your heart stay there. You have to make a decision I'm not just going to be a discusser of the truths of the Bible. I'm going to be a disciple who obeys everything Jesus asks of me. I'm not going to live downcast. I'm going to delight in the Lord and let him begin to fulfill the desires of my heart. And you know what? I'm not going to make foolish decisions where I'm just following my own emotion and my own desire. I'm going to live with a solid faith that God can bless. And you know what? I'm going to spend time with God until all the confusion and all the pain goes out of my heart and there's a clarity that whatever I'm going through, the resurrection 
resurrection of Jesus Christ proved that God's enough to help me rise above it. Can you say amen? And then there's one final step we'll close with, and that is the final thing people do is they fellowship with the faithful and not with the foolish. The Bible says they got up in the morning and they returned at once to Jerusalem. You remember they were going this way. They were getting off track because they had some wrong emotion working in their heart. But when they got up, they went right back to the place of obedience where Jesus called them to be. And it said, there they found the 11. And those with them assembled together. And they said, it's true. The Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told them what happened on the way. And how Jesus was recognized by them whenever he broke the bread. Do you notice that when they got together, they all had something going on that God was talking to them about. And you know, that's the true value of church, guys. Whenever you get in a group of people who are really living for God, your faith is going to be encouraged because of what God's doing in the lives of so many people around you. And at some point, you're going to realize, man, I don't want God doing all this for all these people around me, and I'm missing out on what God wants to do in my life because I'm not living with the discipline that I should. I remember when I went to ORU, I got in a friend group, and I was raised Catholic, and I thank God for that because I I learned a lot of great morality, but the only Bible I knew was what I heard in the three readings on Sunday morning. And I started getting around guys who said, man, I read the Bible this morning, and this really helped me. And somebody else said, man, the Holy Spirit opened up this opportunity for me to go get a job. And I remember sitting at the cafeteria thinking, I guess I better get to know God because I don't have any favor and I don't know hardly anything from the Bible, right? And I just started learning. And you'll be amazed where God takes you if you just do things God's way. But we need to be careful because I'll never forget a story a friend shared in our pulpit. And he talked about this city in North Carolina where this pastor started and the church really started growing when it was small. And God gave this pastor a dream. And he saw this beautiful church that blessed people in that community in just a wonderful way. And he knew God was calling him to pastor that church. But the devil worked. How many of y'all have noticed that the devil's really good at doing his work, doesn't he? And he got that pastor so discouraged with all the things that the devil did that the pastor became convinced in his heart that even though God did have a call, what the people did had destroyed that call and it wasn't going to come to pass anymore. Can I tell you, I've looked some pretty mean devils in the face. And I'm going to tell you what you tell the devil when he comes to your house. You just let him know that whenever the the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God is going to raise up a standard against him. The more he fights, the more God's going to bless your home, and you're not going to give up no matter what. Can you say amen? But this poor pastor left the ministry. He moved to another city. And later he heard God was doing a great work in that town. And he came back to the town to see what God was doing. And you know, it was beautiful in a way, but sad in a way. The building he walked into was the exact building that he saw in that dream. Now, how many of you are not going to let the devil steal what God has planned for your life? You're going to submit to God so he can do the special that he's dreaming about. Amen. Hey, come on, let's give him praise this morning. Can we do it? 
Amen. We've all been in that despicable place where confusion, pain, and disappointment fill our hearts, right? And we need help making decisions that will not only glorify God, but they'll lead us to the deepest desires of our heart. The Holy Spirit can do that, but we need to know Him personally, and we need to develop a close, confident relationship with Him. He's the one we're to look to above everyone else to bring us comfort, guidance, and truth that really can transform every part of our life. That's why my wife and I wrote the book, Maximum Impact. I share my thoughts about how I developed a close and confident relationship with the Holy Spirit as a child raised in a traditional church. If we heard someone say in my church that God was talking to them, we wondered if they were a bit crazy. Whereas one friend said, I wonder if their elevator reaches the top floor, right? My wife wrote the book from her perspective of a pastor's daughter who saw her parents model Holy Spirit living, who experienced the Holy Spirit a lot in her home, and who was really trained to live a Spirit-empowered life. But still in the end, it's our choice, right? And in this series, we've heard story after story of the difference that's made in the life of a believer who really learns to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. It changes our life, it changes our family's lives. And as we share these stories, I wanna encourage you, God wants to bless your life. If you're determined to experience the Holy Spirit's work well in your life, you're the reason we wrote the book, Maximum Impact. It'll help you walk the path into the life only God can give you. And in doing so, you'll experience the joy that only comes when we receive God's love and His grace well in our life. God knows the way out of where you are into the life your heart longs for. His presence and His principles can get you there. And I hope you'll receive His invitation to live a life of significance that has maximum impact. The Holy Spirit is a gift to all of us, given to us by God, sent from heaven to be our helper. Are you living in the full power of this incredible gift? In Jim and Tamara Graff's new book, Maximum Impact, you'll learn the importance of living by the Holy Spirit, understanding practical ways to do so in your daily life, even in the most ordinary of times. Even Jesus knew that living the Christian life can be hard, but he never wanted us to live in our own strength. This book will help you see that every part of our life is open to change, and we can achieve our maximum potential through the Holy Spirit. Are you ready to claim this promise that God has given to every believer and change your life? If you want more of our God and the kind of power it takes to make a maximum impact on our world, visit significantlife.com. And for your gift of any amount, receive your copy of Maximum Impact today. Visit significantlife.com.